This episode of Country Career Spotlight is brought to you by Kill Rockstars, celebrating 30 years of music that matters regardless of genre, gender, orientation, or classification. KRS.gay. This episode is also sponsored by Good Morning America, the new album by Lawrence Rothman. Good Morning America is a courageous look at coming out as non-binary, healing from abuse, and overcoming toxicity through radical empathy. Available now on your favorite platform. Cowpokes and get ready to hit the trail with Country Queer Spotlight, the podcast that introduces you to rising LGBTQ stars on the country scene. Join your host, Rachel Coles, as she chats with her guests about their music, their background, their influences, and more. Let's ride. Ride me, Super excited to be interviewing Mercy uh, for the podcast. Mercy dropped her fantastic album Golden Child back in August, and I'm really excited to talk about it with you now, especially since it's been in the world for a- about a month now. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> How's that been for you? Well, it's really interesting to release an album in global pandemic it's because you can't really tour it or at least i'm not doing it because i take covid really really seriously probably more seriously than a lot of people do but you know i stand firm on that and i won't Mm -hmm. budge so it's really just a a digital release kind of because there's a vinyl shortage too so i can't really (laughs) release that so it's like all right internet it's us but People have seemed to really enjoy it and really been receptive of it. So that's great, you know. I hope that you get to tour with a full band when when it's time to do that. But I know yeah. there's difficulties around that. Yeah. I mean, again, like I said, I know that a lot of people are touring right now and I kind of feel like the square kid in middle school, which I was, you know, the, the really boring, awkward kid who didn't do anything bad. And I kind of feel very like I'm sitting everything out, but at the same time, it's just like, I, this is, I really take COVID seriously. It's like the music is out there. So someday when <laughs> everything is safe, safer, I'm probably just going to tour with a band and play all my albums (laughs) yeah I'm excited I mean you and I can both be at home together because there are a lot of exciting concerts coming to New York this fall and I have like zero intention of going yeah the way I look at it is like it's like this is I can sacrifice this like art is not going anywhere it's been around since the dawn of humanity. So it's like, you know, it's, I'm not worried about that. I don't have any like desperation about that. And we will tour again someday. (laughs) You know, that's how I feel about it. Like, yes, it sucks. I'm not saying it doesn't suck, but it's also like, yeah, it's not worth it for me. It's like, art's not going anywhere. And 
we will re be reunited once again someday. So, and yes, I am doing it. I'm doing outdoor shows whenever I can, which is pretty lovely, but you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's tricky in its own respect because it's, you know, rain or shine, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, speaking of isolation and community, I guess, <laughs> one yeah. thing that was interesting to me about Golden Child is how much you worked with co-writers. Yeah, uh, I know you were starting to do that in your last full album, Mercy Bell. And before that, I, I think your songs were mostly your own projects. They were, Very, yeah. Like, yeah, I think we did talk about this in relation to Mercy Bell. But, but for people who didn't get a chance, because I don't even know if I wrote that down, if it was a podcast interview or what. But like, how did you come to this process of working with co-writers? Well, I when I first started writing music, I was very much that kind of like, I'm just going to say like young, egotistical, I'm going to do this, that like, I want to be a tortured, brilliant genius, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I was very, it was like very 24 year old of me. But as I started to study songwriting and study music and really kind of dive into the art and craft of songwriting, I realized that co-writing and collaboration is where the, the, like the genius is a lot of times. And it's what makes these, you know, my favorite songwriters like kind of shine a lot of the times, especially in like pop, the pop world and rock and roll and things like that outside of the world of folk music. And I realized that when I started to co-write, it unlocked parts of me that I didn't know about and it actually made me a better songwriter so I started doing that more and more I had to kind of get off my egotistical high horse mm -hmm. of like I want to do this but also like me wanting to be in control of everything kind of put a damper on my own creativity because you it's that perfectionist thing that really just makes you not create anything and so once I started collaborating and co-writing I realized how much more fun I was having like writing songs that would go in different directions that I might, because if you leave me to my own devices, I'm probably just going to write about heartbreak and mental illness. Like that's basically <laughs> what I do. But it's like when you add other, <laughs> other uh, co-writers in it, like they, they like, they'll add a story from their life. And it's almost always people's stories from their lives. And then I'll go with it because I relate. And then all of a sudden, I'm using this. It's like, it's like all of a sudden learning a new recipe and like, I'm going to put my flair on this. So <laughs> I love it. And I, I'm really so grateful that I kind of grew out of that me, 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 me thing, which I <laughs> definitely had as a, as a 20 year old. So. What was the process of like finding people you felt like comfortable writing with? I think for me, a lot of the writers that I wrote with on this, this album were actually really like old friends or people that I toured with. And so I already liked their musical style and I had, I could, you know, sing a lot of their songs because I played, I, you know, shared bills with them. And it's kind of like, I know what they brought to the songwriting table. So like Shira Goldberg, who wrote One, La One Life Stand with me and Paisley Fields also co-wrote that. Like I, they kind of have very different songwriting styles, but they have a Ooh. sort of like charm. Oh, they're both very witty and Shira's songwriting is very witty, but it can be very like serious yet witty. It's like almost like she does this like jazzy element to her writing. And Ooh. then pa Paisley just is like, 
so, so clever. And then I know that listeners of your podcast probably know. And so I was like, I have these like two incredibly, superbly clever people. Let's write a clever song. Right. And then we started to talk about their, and I kind of know since they're my friends, like we all kind of know each other's like life stories. We kind of like brought that up. We were talking about like how kind of a chance encounter in love that we've all had kind of led to something better. And that's, it it came from our real life. Right. And then like Noah Smith, like I've played with him before. I know his songs. I just, it's, it's, he, I know he has his like great pop sensibility. And so I, that's kind of how I, I, I choose people. It's like, I already know them. I know what they bring to the table. I know where I can relax and where I can let them lead, et cetera, et cetera. And then my, the song golden child was actually interesting because I had never written with Sumiko or Cameron, but it was placed together through ASCAP, which is my songwriting. My brain is having a brain fart right now, (laughs) but yeah, I'm ASCAP everybody. And my, my rep over there kind of arranged that, which was really great. And we did a workshop and taught by the amazing Bonnie Baker and like it within like an hour we had that song so that was really exhilarating also so it's just really fun and creative and it's made me love songwriting so much more it's not like I'm like writing in my own blood anymore <laughs> you know what I mean so yeah it's become so much more fun and it's, it is a mixture of like choosing people that I know well and I, whose music I love versus taking a chance with people that are brought to me, you know, or I'm brought to them. And there's, you know, there's an element of surrender to it. So I think you read my mind a little bit because I was going to talk a smidge about Paisley since we already <laughs> have on the podcast. But before we do that, I just saw ASCAP like protected song copyrights i didn't know that they organized like workshops or they do writing sessions oh yeah bmi does that csac does that also and i would honestly tell that to any songwriters out there take advantage of your pros i think that's what they're called it might not be that word um my brain again i'm (laughs) i'm I'm drinking today. <laughs> yeah, I was de-skunking. I was helping. Yeah, it's a long story, but bull, it, y'all skunks. <laughs> Cute, but wow. What was I going to say? Take PRO, advantage, yeah. take advantage of your, yeah, of your PRO. I really hope that's the word we can like correct it later. I'm sure. <laughs> but they host a lot of great educational workshops, conferences, they, they, they get songwriters together who are really, truly good songwriters. I, I really recommend taking advantage of that. And it, they, they do keep an eye out for people who take it seriously and are talented. So it's not like anybody off the street can just kind of do it, but yeah, it's a great resource that, that songwriters should take advantage of. All right. Yeah. So that's cool. I didn't know that. I mean, I think like there's just this idea that artists have to toil in isolation, you know, like you were saying. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> and it's yeah, and it, there's so many creative resources out there. And honestly, that was a moment that really my amazing rep Beth Brinker at ASCAP just like opened my eyes to so many possibilities, and it's truly awesome. So yeah, take advantage of the free 
and you know educational stuff out there everybody it doesn't have to just be like you and your misery and a journal page speaking of which and since you mentioned paisley i did want to play at least one of the songs you two co-wrote and i know you already spoke a little bit about one night standard i was wondering before we listen to it on the podcast is there anything else you'd like to say well it comes from all three of us having like real stories and i don't want to like give away other people's stories but we all have had experiences of like a flirtation, a hookup, a like something that seemed kind of fun and casual that actually deepened into something else because we we trusted the moment and we lived in the present, you know? And so it 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 was just really and and Paisley was talking about how I remember Oh, well, I don't want to give away anybody's information, but yeah, it's, let's say, let's just say that it, it's a true story for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Shira was like, I want to put Mazel Tov in a song. So we did. And so we're, the idea of it was that it, the idea behind it is that like, it's this character who's on a tour and is like, the, the character is queer and we're not like assigning any gender or identity, but somehow they end up at like a dive bar drag club or strip club or something. And they end up falling in love with somebody there. And then they end up having a gay Jewish wedding in Brooklyn later. So like, <laughs> that's, that's how, that's the story. Like that's, that's what it is. And it's very like an amalgamation of all three of our stories. So <laughs> that's why it's a little chaotic. <laughs> Well, I know that Rosa and I are planning on playing the song at our gay Jewish. Ah! <laughs> but it'll be in Manhattan and not Brooklyn. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so, that's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's a life imitating art. There we go. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've asked Paisley to, to perform at the wedding. So oh my gosh. This is the best. Show. This is yeah. the best. This is the best. <laughs> Well, it's funny because also Shira, I will speak about Shira. So Shira and her husband, who is Dave is awesome. And Shira is Dave and Dave is not Jewish. So what is the proper term for somebody who's not of your same religion? Is it uh, uh, interfaith? I mean, for, for Jewish people, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So that's him. But she was like, my mom is, she's like, my mom is a professional like line dancer in the cat skills, a professional <laughs> Jewish line dancer. And I was like, this is brilliant. Yeah. And so she's like, I just, we need to make a honky tonk, like two step or whatever Jewish wedding, gay wedding song. Right. I was like, this is incredible. Like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> so you know, I'm here for it, y'all. Yeah, it's going to fulfill its prophecy. Oh my gosh, that's all I ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, just made, that made my whole day, dude. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> I mean, the bar was low, it sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're just, uh, filling, just a, yeah. filling a niche, filling a niche there, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that representation matters. There we go. <laughs>
I guess to turn it uh, maybe a little bit more serious, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like at one point we've had a conversation where you told me that initially when you were performing, you weren't really like plugged into necessarily queer musical communities or country music communities right. within yeah. music, not yeah. you know your personal life. So I was wondering how did that coalesce for you? Because I remember the first time I saw you perform with Karen and I, you know, my socks were blown off, but I think you knew Paisley and Wiley before that. Yeah. So I actually didn't know anything that there was a queer country scene at all until I met Wiley and who's also co-writer on mm. my song, Big Sky Wide Open, and along with Sarah Moore. And I was working, I was playing shows here in Nashville, kind of in like the indie rock scene, the indie folk Americana amalgamation scene here, but it was not queer at all. And then Paisley and Wiley showed up and I knew Wiley because of all my bartender friends, because he was a bartender here. Mm -hmm. And he was like, we're doing a big queer country show. And I was like, that's cool. Like, let's do it. And that is how it was like very fortuitous for me and serendipitous. Like to be, I had no idea that scene existed. I mean, cause I think it started just when I left Brooklyn, it really started to pick up. And I came to Nashville to try to like cut my teeth on the Americana and folk scene here. And I'm really good at staying out of the loop. I think it's because I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I never know anything. Like I just did like an Instagram cleanse the past month pretty much. And uh, like I completely fell off the radar of news period. I was like, oh wait, what happened? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm really good at not staying tuned into fads <laughs> or anything. So they kind of brought me in and then Karen and the sorrows kind of helped solidify that. And then before you know it, I was like meeting all the queer country people. And I was like, this exists. This is so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. So I was brought in, I was like recruited and I'm so glad that they did. Yeah. And then I don't know, not that I've like researched you or anything, but, uh, I'm there to be researched. Google yeah. me. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you've spoken about it yet. So if you're comfortable, you know, uh, could you speak to your own coming out story? Yeah, I don't um, feel like you have to. Yeah, no, I think for me, it's just that I was, it, it took me a long time to figure out that I, that the feelings I was feeling were that I was queer. I didn't, you know, I came from a very loving, ex bohemian Filipino Catholic family. And so I really wasn't, and I was like, really, I was like a miss. I was like bullied as a kid at school. And then that's a big reason I was homeschooled is I was bullied so much. And I just, you know, I didn't feel like I fit in period with anybody. And so I didn't understand my own body, my own sexuality or anything like that, just because you know, it's like, it's hard when you're like a late bloomer, you know? And also I was very sheltered. I was a creative kid. I didn't have any interest in rebellious stuff. I just, and I was dealing with like depression and anxiety. And so, and I was like really a believer, like in like my Christianity and Catholicism and stuff. So even though my family is, was very like welcoming of me, 
when it, you know, I finally figured it out, I had to come to terms with it on my own. Like I had to like grapple with, oh my God, like this stuff that I believe this, what the Catholic church teaches about being gay is wrong. What else is it wrong about? I had to come to terms with that on my own. And I also have OCD. So that makes it really hard to fight kind of like religious themes mm. and think mor- morality themes. Like if you Google OCD and religion, it's like a huge subset because it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's insane. So I was dealing with like four different things, like my own, like, like lack of, like, I didn't have Lizzo when I was 18, <laughs> right? Like I didn't have anybody telling me to love myself and love my body. I didn't have anybody telling me that it was like, okay to be you know, like spiritual and gay. I didn't have any of that from society at all. So, and I didn't understand that like you could be bisexual and and it wasn't until like I saw like the OC and Olivia Wilde's character and I saw this like tattooed bartender that I was like, oh, (laughs) that's cool. Like I just was so under a rock that I kind of put myself under. Yeah, so it took me a long time. I didn't come out till I was 25. I mean, I kind of knew that I was gay around 21, but I fought it really hard. Mm-hmm. I tried to really pray away the gay in my own way. And finally, when I came out, it was, I know I, it felt like I was, I was 25, but it was, yeah, it was all on my own. Really. I had to kind of come to terms with my own sexuality and my, my siblings were like, yeah, we know. We always knew. <laughs> my dad wow, was like, yeah. Guys. Yeah, like, yeah, (laughs) you know, but yeah, so I know that was really probably long winded, but it was like a mixture of like, you know, like, like loving myself and OCD and uh, like losing my religion and then regaining spirituality and all this stuff, you know, that sounds like a lot to navigate. It was so much. Yeah. But, you know, I think I'm, I think I've navigated it. I think I've gotten some cruise control at this point. (laughs) yeah yes as I hear like more people like around our age and I know you and I have uh, a bit of an age difference but and then thinking about like the environment that younger people and I'm talking like you know people under the age of 10 right now right yeah yeah certain communities um where that's something that's been accepted since when they were kids to be queer yeah under fluid or yeah Um, and even and even something like yeah and even for me like a big thing was like I didn't even I just remember when like Lizzo came on the scene I was like I wish I had her when I was 18 because like I hated myself and my body so much and I know that so many people hate their bodies and it's just so sad because like our bodies work so hard for us and I just wish I could go back to myself and people of like all shapes and sizes. And it's just so sad to me mm-hmm. how many people are just like hating on themselves. And it's, I did the same thing. And that also got in the way of me discovering my sexuality. Cause it's like, if you're just, you know, so it's like, it was that also, there was a lot of that. There was like, oh God, as my girlfriend says, all we had in the early 2000s was like bad eyebrows and spaghetti and low-rise pants yeah we didn't have Lizzo right so yeah like I just you know I am grateful for the representation that's happening now I'm always grateful for when I see stuff like that in pop culture because it helped me it's as much Mm -hmm. as people people like what was your big moment I was like Olivia Wilde on the OC dude like that's it like for real speaking of inspirations uh, I always like to ask artists on here like 
who and I forgot to ask you ahead of time so I know I'm putting you on the spot but oh, it's okay uh, who is an one artist you could just say the first one comes to mind and know that no one else will be offended <laughs> like who's an artist uh-huh. who uh has influenced you and maybe if you could think of like a song if not I'll pick one up Patty Griffin mm-hmm. is probably my number one artist that has taught me the most and I think the the song her song top of the world which the the chicks formerly Dixie Chicks covered famously or she she let them play it and then she covers it too it has some of the greatest lyrics I've ever heard also long ride home basically anything Patty Griffin ever wrote she's she's incredible she's she's a a chameleon and she writes so truthfully and I just adore her and yeah like the chicks version of top of the world is like a perfect version of like somebody who wrote a song that can be sung by anybody and then when Patty sings it, it takes on a different inflection. Her song, Mary, also is incredible. Oh, just I could go on. Truth number two. <laughs> it just goes and goes and goes. Like, I can't stop. I can't stop. Yeah. All right, I'll pick one. Okay, yeah. You <laughs> can choose any Patty, yeah. any Patty Griffin song. And I'm just like, oh, Patty. <laughs> I'll be honest, taking a deep dive into her music, really. So I'm excited. That um, it's a lot. She's yeah. she's incredibly prolific. And I haven't, I, I know a lot of her songs, but I don't even, haven't even touched probably a third. And I've listened <laughs> to like four of her albums. Her song, her first album, Flaming Red. There's a great song. Sweet Lorraine, there's Moses. Mm. Oh, it's just so much. There's so much. <laughs> she also wrote Let Him Fly for the Chicks. Like, it's mm-hmm. just a lot. Truth number two, I could go on. I wished I was smarter. Wished I was stronger. I wished I'd love Jesus. The way my wife does I wished it had been easier Instead of any longer I wished I could have stood Where you would have been proud That won't happen now That won't happen now There's a whole lot of singings Never gonna be heard Disappearing every day without so much as a word somehow. I think I broke the wings of that little songbird. She's never gonna fly to the top of the world. To the top of Don't have to answer any of these questions. Don't have no God to teach me no lessons. I'd come home in the evening, sit in my chair. One night they called me for supper But I never got up I stayed right there in my chair There's a whole lot of singing that's never gone 
Looking for a hand to hold, grasping at sheets. The nurse will walk in, take a look at your face. Turn up your last dose of morphine. I ain't got much in my fridge except shock and milk and whiskey. Five dollars and quarters to mission burritos and a pickup without a backseat. Shout out to country queer member Amy Estelle, who joined at the band leader level. Amy, your support is incredibly valuable, and we appreciate you. If you're into our mission of lifting up queer voices in country and Americana, please consider joining Country Queer. As little as six bucks a month gets you an ad-free experience on the website, a discount on our killer merch, a country queer bumper sticker, and more. We can't do this work without your help. Please go to patreon.com slash countryqueer and sign up today. This episode of Country Queer Spotlight is brought to you by Kill Rockstars, celebrating 30 years of music that matters regardless of genre, gender, orientation, or classification. We enthusiastically support Country Queer's mission of creating a space for queer voices in country, Americana, and folk. Find us at krs.gay. This episode is also sponsored by Good Morning America, the new album by Lawrence Rothman. Good Morning America is a courageous look at coming out as non-binary, healing from abuse, and overcoming toxicity through radical empathy. Featuring guest appearances by Lucinda Williams, Amanda Shires, and Katie Pruitt. Rothman has been compared to Johnny Cash and Courtney Love at the same time. Good Morning America is available now on your favorite platform. You're listening to Country Queer Spotlight, the podcast that introduces you to rising LGBTQ stars on the country scene. You can find more queer country content and merch at countryqueer.com. Now, back to the show with your host, Rachel Colst. Something that I've noticed about like your approach to songwriting is that it's kind of it's almost like literary. Like you were joking oh, yeah. before about how like all of your songs are about heartbreak and mental health, but they're never <laughs> about like you. You know, it's always sort of like from using like 
imagery to convey your feelings or the narrative's yeah. feelings, you know, like chocolate milk and whiskey, which I'm, I'll probably just pair with the Patty Griffin song. Uh, <laughs> right. Like I think, and then I'm hearing that on golden child too, is that there is a lot of use of imagery and not so much like baby, can't you see how you're breaking my heart? Yeah. Yeah. So I never wanted to like, grow up to be a songwriter. I wanted to grow up to be a writer or do musical theater and, or like make movies. And I just, I was in theater a lot and I always, and I always wrote like prose and poetry and short stories. I studied short, like in, literature and stuff for a little bit in college before I switched to history. And I basically got into doing music because in college, my friends wanted to have a garage band and it kind of went from there. I realized like I was, they realized actually, my friends were like, oh, you can write songs really fast. And then, so I was just enlisted by my friends to continually write songs. So, and then finally I was like, oh, I'm like, this is kind of a fun way to write, you know? Cause I, I was always a writer, writer. I was always writing in high, like stories and stuff as a, as a teenager, creative writing, memoir, like not memoir, but like nonfiction, things like that. And it was always my favorite. And even till this day, if I'm bored, I'll just write like write stuff and not necessarily for other consumption, but I, and I love to like read short stories. I love reading poetry and prose. I love reading good journalism and nonfiction. I think it's what probably one of the finest art forms. If you can turn nonfiction into something that is like exhilarating and stunning. Yeah. I could go on. I love reading. I love good cinema and film. I love theater. And so music, and I've always sang. So I just always assumed I'd be in theater someday, but then I don't know. Rock and roll has a rock and roll, man. Like <laughs> how can you say no? Right. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I just approach music. And then I remember hearing Sufjan Stevens and Regina Spector back in the thousands and being like, they're so cool. And like the way that they do the same thing of like storytelling just it is also truly captivating and so I was like, oh, I, I can kind of do that. Why not? So yeah, I definitely come from not a music background. I mean, uh, yes, I do in music in terms of I've I'm been in choir since I was like seven or musical theater since I was like seven. And like, so I, I am a singer, but my writing, the world of my writing comes from like a literary and theatrical and cinematic background. Yeah, I can totally hear that. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have like one more question for today because I know that okay. you got to I got to go to work. But before I ask that question, is there anything else you want to make sure we talk about for this time around? Oh, just keep people. A lot of people ask me like how they can support me. And honestly, it's just like right now, it's just spread the songs, like tell people to listen because that's really just, that's what's like my fans and supporters and friends are by sharing everything or it's like where it's how I've gotten to where I am, honestly. So like, just keep sharing, keep spreading the love. Cause it's really that. And I know it sounds cliche, but it's really not like, it's really, really helpful and pivotal. So thank you for every, everybody who helps like by sharing, by sharing anything, like, thank you. <laughs> Well, 
Thanks, Mercy. So here's my last question that I also mm -hmm. like to ask everybody. Like, is there Perfect. another queer country artist who you'd like to shout out? And I'll cushion that by saying again, like, you can just say, because I didn't ask you ahead of time, you could say the first person and no one will be offended if you didn't say their name. My, my friend, Chris Hausman, who mm -hmm. is probably one of the most genius, brilliant people I've ever performed with, created with. He sings on my last, this album and the last one, Backup Vocals. He wrote a, a really great song called Blue Neck that is out there. And he's just brilliant. Brilliant. He's brilliant. I love him. Love you, Chris. <laughs> awesome. I love that song too. Can't wait for those of you who haven't heard it yet to listen to it. And then uh -huh. I'm going to add on one song at the end. We mentioned Wiley Gaby a couple of times in, the, in this interview, and I feel like he needs to be on the country queer radar a bit more. He's an incredible he does. writer. I don't think he's released new music since the site kind of got started. So I think that's why he's been under the radar. But but he wrote of, Big Sky Wide Open with me. That's why we're also going to listen to that one. Yeah, he wrote that. So it was me, Sarah, Olivia Moore, and Wiley. Yes. And then so. Wiley, like kind of confusingly, because I got a little confused when you announced the title of the album. His album is called Golden Child, one word. And that's the name he performs under for that album. So you should definitely yes. go find that one on Spotify. Thanks so much, Mercy. Really appreciate it. And absolutely between skunks and work. You know what? This is <laughs> life, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially these days. Amen. Well, you know, thank God for Zoom. Yes. <laughs> well, drive safe and I hope you have a great day at work. Thank you. Enjoy your uh, the rest of your day too. Thanks. Stay away from Thanks skunks. Stay yeah. away from skunks. <laughs> Will do. All right. Up with cornfields in every direction That's where I learned all of my lessons About life and living without fences In the land of the free to have opinions If you work a job, you ought to make a living George Strait or George Gay, there's no difference People need help and I think that we should listen Three chords in my truth is I'm a good old boy with a bleeding heart Just a homegrown hick with a hybrid car I think y'all means all and I know We all just wanna know that we belong And there's a lot more color in the mix When you're loud and proud out in the sticks I am what I am, you get what you get Yeah, I guess I'm a red state neck Wide open spaces, plenty of room for us all to be safe in Yeah, that's the future that I'm chasing So I'm gonna go make it I'm a good old boy with a bleeding heart Just a homegrown hick with a hybrid car I think y'all means harm and I know we all just wanna know that we belong and There's a lot more color in the mix When you're loud and proud out in the sticks I am what I am, you get what you get Yeah, I guess I'm a red state neck Yeah, I'm a red state 
country kid Wanna see the glass ceiling chatter Wanna see a world where black lives matter Liberty and justice for just some of us Ain't now the heartland brought me up I'm a good old boy with a bleeding heart Just a homegrown hick with a hybrid car I think y'all means all and I know we all just wanna know that we belong
This episode of Country Career Spotlight has been brought to you by Kill Rock Stars, celebrating 30 years of music that matters regardless of genre, gender, orientation, or classification. KRS.gay. This episode has also been sponsored by Good Morning America, the new album by Lawrence Rothman. Good Morning America is a courageous look at coming out as non-binary, healing from abuse, and overcoming toxicity through radical empathy. Available now on your favorite platform. Well, cowpokes, we've reached the end of the trail for this episode. Thanks for listening to Country Queer Spotlight, the podcast that introduces you to rising LGBTQ stars on the country scene. Head on over to countryqueer.com for more queer country content and merch. Rachel Colst has been your host and producer. For new music by Roots artists of all genders and orientations, listen to our weekly podcast, Adobe and Teardrops. Country Queer Spotlight is edited by Zach Tomlinson, executive produced by Country Queer's founder, Dale Geist. And our theme song, Ride Me Cowboy by Paisley Fields, is courtesy of Don Giovanni Records. Ride me cowboy.